Section six of Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume One by Washington Irving. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume One by Washington Irving. Book One. Chapter One. Book One, containing diverse ingenious theories and philosophic speculations concerning the creation and population of the world, as connected with the history of New York. Chapter One. According to the best authorities, the world in which we dwell is a huge, opaque, reflecting, inanimate mass floating in the vast ethereal ocean of infinite space it has the form of an orange being an oblate spheroid curiously flattened at opposite parts for the insertion of two imaginary poles which are supposed to penetrate and unite at the centre thus forming an axis on which the mighty orange turns with a regular diurnal revolution the transitions of light and darkness whence proceed the alternations of day and night are produced by this diurnal revolution successively presenting the different parts of the earth to the rays of the sun the latter is according to the best that is to say the latest accounts a luminous or fiery body of a prodigious magnitude from which this world is driven by a centrifugal or repelling power and to which it is drawn by a centripetal or attractive force, otherwise called the attraction of gravitation. The combination, or rather the counteraction, of these two opposing impulses, producing a circular and annual revolution. Hence result the different seasons of the year, viz. spring, summer, autumn, and winter this i believe to be the most approved modern theory on the subject though there be many philosophers who have entertained very different opinions some too of them entitled to much deference from their great antiquity and illustrious characters thus it was advanced by some of the ancient sages that the earth was an extended plain supported by vast pillars and by others that it rested on the head of a snake or the back of a huge tortoise but as they did not provide a resting place for either the pillars or the tortoise the whole theory fell to the ground for want of proper foundation the brahmins assert that the heavens rest upon the earth and the sun and moon swim therein like fishes in the water moving from east to west by day and gliding along the edge of the horizon to their original positions during the night while according to the Puranicas of India, it is a vast plain encircled by seven oceans of mild nectar and other delicious liquids, that it is studded with seven mountains and ornamented in the centre by a mountainous rock of burnished gold, and that a great dragon occasionally swallows up the moon, which accounts for the phenomena of lunar eclipses. Beside these and many other equally sage opinions, we have the profound conjectures of abul hassan ali son of al khan son of ali son of abdurrahman son of abdallah 
son of Masoud el Hadheli, who is commonly called Masoudi, and surnamed Kothbeddin, but who takes the humble title of Laheb ar Rasul, which means the companion of the ambassador of God. He has written a universal history entitled Muruj ed Darab, or The Golden Meadows and the Mines of Precious Stones. In this valuable work, he has related the history of the world from the creation down to the moment of writing, which was under the caliphate of Mothi Billa, in the month Jumadi el Aul of the 336th year of the Hijira, or Flight of the Prophet. He informs us that the earth is a huge bird. Mecca and Medina constitute the head, Persia and India the right wing, the land of Gog the left wing, and Africa the tail. He informs us, moreover, that an earth has existed before the present, which he considers as a mere chicken of seven thousand years, that it has undergone diverse deluges, and that, according to the opinion of some well-informed Brahmins of his acquaintance, it will be renovated every seventy-thousandth Hazaruam, each Hazaruam consisting of twelve thousand years. These are a few of the many contradictory opinions of philosophers concerning the earth, and we find that the learned have had equal perplexity as to the nature of the sun, some of the ancient philosophers have affirmed that it is a vast wheel of brilliant fire, others that it is merely a mirror or sphere of transparent crystal, and a third class, at the head of whom stands Anaxagoras, maintained that it was nothing but a huge ignited mass of iron or stone. Indeed, he declared the heavens to be merely a vault of stone and that the stars were stones whirled upward from the earth, and set on fire by the velocity of its revolutions. But I give little attention to the doctrines of this philosopher, the people of Athens having fully refuted them by banishing him from their city, a concise mode of answering unwelcome doctrines, much resorted to in former days. Another sect of philosophers do declare that certain fiery particles exhale constantly from the earth, which, concentrating in a single point of the firmament by day, constitute the sun, but being scattered and rambling about in the dark at night, collect in various points and form stars. These are regularly burnt out and extinguished, not unlike to the lamps in our streets and require a fresh supply of exhalations for the next occasion. It is even recorded that at certain remote and obscure periods, in consequence of a great scarcity of fuel, the sun has been completely burnt out, and sometimes not rekindled for a month at a time. A most melancholy circumstance, the very idea of which gave vast concern to Heraclitus, that worthy weeping philosopher of antiquity, in addition to these various speculations, it was the opinion of Herschel that the sun is a magnificent, habitable abode, the light it furnishes arising from certain imperial, luminous, or phosphoric clouds, swimming in its transparent atmosphere. But we will not enter further at present into the nature of the sun, that being an inquiry not immediately necessary to the development of this history, 
neither will we embroil ourselves in any more of the endless disputes of philosophers touching the form of this globe but content ourselves with the theory advanced in the beginning of this chapter and will proceed to illustrate by experiment the complexity of motion therein described to this our rotatory planet professor von puddingkoft or puddinghead as the name may be rendered into english was long celebrated in the university of leyden for a profound gravity of deportment and a talent at going to sleep in the midst of examinations to the infinite relief of his hopeful students who thereby worked their way through college with great ease and little study in the course of one of his lectures the learned professor seizing a bucket of water swung it around his head at arm's length the impulse with which he threw the vessel from him being a centrifugal force the retention of his arm operating as a centripetal power and the bucket which was a substitute for the earth describing a circular orbit round about the globular head and ruby visage of professor von puddingkoft which formed no bad representation of the sun all of these particulars were duly explained to the class of gaping students around him he apprised them moreover that the same principle of gravitation which retained the water in the bucket restrains the ocean from flying from the earth in its rapid revolutions and he farther informed them that should the motion of the earth be suddenly checked it would incontinently fall into the sun through the centripetal force of gravitation a most ruinous event to this planet and one which would also obscure though it most probably would not extinguish the solar luminary an unlucky stripling one of those vagrant geniuses who seem sent into the world merely to annoy worthy men of the pudding-head order desirous of ascertaining the correctness of the experiment suddenly arrested the arm of the professor just at the moment that the bucket was in its zenith which immediately descended with astonishing precision upon the philosophic head of the instructor of youth a hollow sound and a red-hot hiss attended the contact but the theory was in the amplest manner illustrated for this unfortunate bucket perished in the conflict but the blazing countenance of professor von puddingkoft emerged from amidst the waters glowing fiercer than ever with unutterable indignation whereby the students were marvellously edified and departed considerably wiser than before it is a mortifying circumstance which greatly perplexes many a painstaking philosopher that nature often refuses to second his most profound and elaborate efforts so that often after having invented one of the most ingenious and natural theories imaginable she will have the perverseness to act directly in the teeth of his system and flatly contradict his most favorite positions this is a manifest and unmerited grievance since it throws the censure of the vulgar and unlearned entirely upon the philosopher whereas the fault is not to be ascribed to his theory which is unquestionably correct but to the waywardness of dame nature who with the proverbial fickleness of her sex is continually indulging in coquetries and caprices and seems really to take pleasure in violating all philosophic rules and jilting the most learned and indefatigable of her adorers 
thus it happened with respect to the foregoing satisfactory explanation of the motion of our planet it appears that the centrifugal force has long since ceased to operate while its antagonist remains in undiminished potency the world therefore according to the theory as it originally stood ought in strict propriety to tumble into the sun philosophers were convinced that it would do so and awaited in anxious impatience the fulfilment of their prognostics but the untoward planet pertinaciously continued her course notwithstanding that she had reason philosophy and a whole university of learned professors opposed to her conduct the philosophers took this in very ill part and it is thought they would never have pardoned the slight and affront which they conceived put upon them by the world had not a good-natured professor kindly officiated as a mediator between the parties and effected a reconciliation finding the world would not accommodate itself to the theory he wisely determined to accommodate the theory to the world he therefore informed his brother philosophers that the circular motion of the earth round the sun was no sooner engendered by the conflicting impulses above described than it became a regular revolution independent of the cause which gave it origin his learned brethren readily joined in the opinion being heartily glad of any explanation that would decently extricate them from their embarrassment and ever since that memorable era the world has been left to take her own course and to revolve around the sun in such orbit as she thinks proper end of section six